You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 70th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Last night, the Falcons went down 28-14 to to the Kansas City Chiefs in their second exhibition game. But a lot of things happened, and it's halfway through the exhibition season. And today, we're going to take a look at where the Falcons are after two games. Now, some of the highlights from last night, we'll go through the whole list, some ups and downs, some things that were good, some things that were not so good. But we're going to start right off the bat with first-round pick Calvin Ridley. He had a 36-yard reception, looked comfortable on the first return. I don't think he hit the hole. He bounced it outside. Uh, and the uh, he had a uh, touchdown catch there where he found a little hole in the end zone and caught a seven-yard pass from Matt Schaub for the score. So the Falcons were elated with his performance after the game. Coach Dan Quinn and team builder, co-team builder Thomas Dimitrov were uh, happy last week when he was disgruntled a little bit after not doing anything against the Jets. And they wanted to make sure that they showed off their first-round pick here at home and that he came through with a... Nice performance here before leaving the game early. After the game, we talked with Calvin, and here's what he had to say. Safety on the other side, kept it high, and Matt put a good ball on. <laughs> One That was really after the game. Uh, he was excited. He didn't like all the attention that he was getting, and the guys were making fun of him. And uh, uh, the PR staff was in the background uh, telling us that Coach Quinn was going to the podium. So we had to wrap it up and get ready for Coach. But that was really after the game. Uh, one note that we want to dig into, and we will for uh, a story we'll be writing 
uh, later today. Don't know when it's going to run because it's unbudgeted. But uh, Leon Washington, the great returner, uh, New York Jets. I think he started out there and then in Seattle. Uh, I think uh, Coach Quinn said he had 10 returns for a touchdown. I think he's got a bunch of records, too, with regards to punt and punt and kickoff returns. Uh, so he's been in camp with the Falcons. He's an intern. I don't know if he's the Bill Walsh intern or not. We'll get that cleared up. But uh, the former scat back, running back, and great returner has been in camp with the Falcons and with the special teams coordinator, Keith Armstrong, helping with the return game because, you know, the new rules and uh, with regards to, uh, you know, no wedges and the line not uh, – you know, being static at the kickoff point, uh, they think there's some opportunity there to bust some big returns by knocking a, a player or two out of their lanes. And if the player can can find that, the returner can find that lane, there's going to be opportunities for a big return, much like that 34-yarder that Ridley hit. I think they're going to show him that if he turned that one up, he could have had even more because he would have um, he could have took more of the field and bounced it out and. It looked like he could have had more if he cut it up, but that's something he's got to learn as a returner. Something that we saw, you know, Devin Hester do, and and uh, even Eric Weems when you know you can get more just going right at people than going sideways. So uh, I'm sure they'll work on that with Calvin Ridley. Second, Demonte Casey, big play coming over the top, just perfect for a. Free safety playing center field. He came over, uh, took a pass from Patrick Mahomes that was intended for Sammy Watkins. It was a textbook free safety move, and the kid just keeps on playing. And uh, I just think of the one uh, thing in the hard knocks where the Browns were playing the music that they were trying to make their mama proud, and uh, KZ's doing the same thing. He's just said uh, last week when we talked to him, he said, I'm just trying to make it. You know, he doesn't know where he's going to play, if there's any even a spot for him right now. The Falcons did. I was kind of surprised they re-upped Ricardo Allen because, uh, I mean, you know, if you got KZ, uh, but, you know, uh, I thought maybe that Cardo could go and they could put KZ in there. But uh, uh, next year, but, but you know, they think you can't have enough defensive backs. And uh, I talked to Marquand Manuel about it, and he said they went through the same thing in Seattle where Sherman came along, then Browner came along, then Maxwell came along, then they got the linebackers, you know. And so you can never have a good enough good defensive players. So they'll find a way to use KZ, and he just needs to keep playing. Okay, another thing from the game, I thought the run defense was uh, really stout. I was looking for that in this game against the Chiefs because they had Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing last year. And when the game mattered, the uh, Chiefs were, uh, you know, the Chiefs' uh, Kareem Hunt was held to 15 yards on seven carries. That's 2.1. He did have a nine-yard run. Uh, for the game, even the, the subs did pretty good. 26 for 76 yards, 2.9. You can take that uh, every week, keeping a team under 100 yards rushing, even in the uh, past happy days of the NFL. Pass rush. Well, something that wasn't that good. We haven't seen anything from the starters. And uh, Vic Beasley acknowledged that after the game. I said, hey, hey, Vic, um, 
can I get a couple questions? He's like, why do you need me? You know, kind of like, hey, I didn't do nothing. Why do you need me for? And I just wanted to ask him about the first team defense and the run part of it. Uh, went and looked back and saw they didn't do anything against the pass. But a couple guys in the backup rows are uh, are coming through, or at least putting up some numbers. Uh, Garrison Smith, one sack and two hits. Uh, Jacob Tutu Mariner, he had a sack. And uh, Celestine, Jonathan Celestine, had the uh, sack, only sack against the Jets. Now, uh, Anthony Winbush, the uh, DM from Ball State, he had a quarterback hit. So the pass rush has got to come come to life, uh, but the coverage behind it has been pretty good. You had the KZ interception and the Robert uh, Alford pass breakup. So, you know, it wasn't all bad. But if you can get uh, Tack and Beasley rolling, Sanat, Grady going up the middle, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes and uh, Eric Bieniemy did a good job of uh, uh, getting the ball out quick and uh, wasn't as accurate as they wanted it to be sometimes. But uh, uh, the Falcons did a, a pretty good job against them. But the pass rush is missing. We want to see that come alive next week against Jacksonville. And Mahomes was, uh, you know, uh, I was impressed, kind of not, you know, I like that deep ball that kind of padded his stats there, the eight, the 69 yard bomb he hit on the backups, but he was eight of 12 for 138, uh, one interception, one touchdown, uh, 98.6, uh, rating. You can work with that. Andy Reid and, uh, Eric Bieniemy can work with that. Now, uh, Brandon Fusco started at right guard, and the offense came out, and it looked like they were getting ready to sputter again. Man, it was um, third and 11. Ryan scrambles out to the right. He hits Austin Hooper for a 29-yard gain, and, man, they took off right after that. They ran uh, behind Brandon Fusco a couple times, got a 15-yarder one way to the left, and then came back to the right behind Fusco and Schrader. Tevin Coleman looked good. Uh, Brandon Fusco, I think we're going to hear him be announced as the uh, starter here uh, coming this week for uh, for the Jacksonville game. So the run game came to life. They were looking for that. And, uh, and it certainly did here against the Chiefs. For the first team offense, we're going to talk about Edo Smith here in a second. Uh, before the game, uh, you know, we, uh, we've been tracking the Jalen Ramsey and Matt Ryan, uh, uh, arguments where he said he, uh, Matt Ryan was overrated. Uh, he said it after Matt's availability for the local media, we asked the team to make Ryan available or at least give us a statement. And, uh, they said they didn't plan on doing that. Then Matt Ryan popped up on the Dan Patrick show here before the game and, uh, you know, he's not a big trash talker and he didn't talk any trash. Basically said he's about winning and trash talking doesn't bother him. And, uh, you know, he's a corporate quarterback. So he did go back at Ramsey. Wasn't real juicy or anything. Wasn't like his Carolina rant when he told the Panthers to get the F off of his field. Uh, so, you know, he's got a fiery side and, you know, we, we don't get to see it a lot. They they keep it behind closed doors. But you ask any of those linemen so, or anybody that's missed the block or anybody that's ran a wrong route like Muhammad Sanu when he wasn't getting, getting set last year, 
that uh, the quarterback does have a fiery side to him. I'm sure he's not going to be real happy when they go down to Jacksonville and play the Jags on Saturday. So another thing in this game, uh, I got to tip my hat to uh, the Athletics Jeff Schultz because I didn't know the Sark was on the field. Uh, at the uh, first game, and then, uh, you know, I don't watch TV during the game. I'm, I'm on the game and the stats, and, you know, maybe I'll get the radio, but but um, I don't do that. I just I trust myself. But anyway, they saw that uh, Sarkeesian was on the field, and Greg Knapp is upstairs, and, uh, you know, they experimented with that last year. Sark is just comfortable because he did it that way in college, so – I mean, you know, his job's on the line this year pretty much. So if he wants to be on the field, looks like Dan Quinn's going to let him be on the field. And he likes the fact that Greg Knapp is upstairs and uh, basically sending intel down to Sarkeesian, telling him, you know, what the defense is doing or how the team is reacting off of the first 15 plays, off of the script. Oh, they're playing man against this, or hey, they're playing zone against this, or hey, the linebackers cheating over to the uh, outside zone run, so uh, we can come out with a bootleg. So that type of intel will be passed down to him. It looks like they're going to go with Sark downstairs, which is a college move all the way. Hopefully, it works. We'll have something easy to throw at him if it doesn't, but. Uh, uh, I don't. We're gonna have to poll around the league to see how many coordinators are upstairs and down. I think it's gonna be probably thirty to two or something like that, or thirty to one, thirty-one to one. But we'll see. You know, hey, whatever works. If you know, however, you gotta, you know, get the offense rolling. You gotta do it. Um, you know, last year was not uh, uh, very good for him. So if he needs to be downstairs, if I'm Coach Dan. And it could work, and I'm comfortable with it, and I think he said he, he's getting comfortable with it, that, uh, you know, go with it. Now, yesterday, uh, you know, they held Devontae Freeman out again, and they wanted to see Edo Smith, the fourth-round pick from Southern Miss. They knew he could play in space. They knew he can catch the ball. But, hey, can you hammer that ball up in there on this outside run scheme, you know, uh, the kid last year they drafted, uh, he couldn't do that. He was dancing a little too much. Wasn't sure about hitting the holes and so forth. So, uh, Edo didn't do that uh, that good either. Uh, I got down right here. Stage looked too big for little Edo. Uh, 13 for 34, 9. Got stuffed on a fourth and one. Um, you know, fourth and one, fourth and two, that was a another thing here that wasn't that good. Uh, they threw a pass on the fourth and two, went five wides, tried to hit Ridley on an end cut, didn't get anything on the second possession. Uh, then later on, uh, after Matt Schaub pushed him down the field after the KZ interception, they stalled when Edo got stopped on the fourth and one. And why I say the stage looked too big, he stumbled on – Two kickoff returns. He didn't, you know, 2.6 yards of carry. That's not that's not a lot. I don't know if it was the blocking. But uh, the fourth and one was one where, hey, you know, you got to get it. And he didn't do it. So uh, I don't know if they whiffed on the running back here uh, again two years in a row on the third running back. 
and they're going to be canvassing the uh, waiver wire, or um, they're going to stick with Ito a little bit longer and uh, give him some more opportunities in that last exhibition game. Now, just as far as what's behind Ito, uh, if they're ready, I don't think they're ready to move on this fast, but, uh, you know, Ito was the kid that a lot of people thought they could have got in the uh, seventh round. So, uh, you know, uh Maybe uh, the draft people were right this time. But Justin Crawford, Terrence McGee, and Malik Williams, uh, you know, uh, Crawford's looked the best of that group. McGee's uh, was pretty good at LSU. I could see him them staying with him as a veteran alternative until they spruce up that position. But they were hoping to get some pop out of Edo, and we'll see if that's uh, if this was just a bad day and he can still bring it. Got a lot here today, so stick stick with us. Uh, you know, halfway through the exhibition season, we're starting to get some clarity on some things. Wide receiver Russell Gage showed a little bit there in the uh, receiving game. He got a uh, 18-yard catch. Nice grab for him. And uh, Foyer Olicon, the fourth-round pick from Yale, did a good job. He started. He started for Deion Jones. We'll go through the injury report here later. But Deion Jones was um, a scra- late scratch. And Foyer starting. He looked comfortable out there. Uh, let's hear from him. We got a little bit from him. It's not great, but uh, we talked to him after the game about his first NFL start. Doing all right. I mean, I feel like I did some things good, and uh, again, there's some things I can always improve on. But it was good to get out there and like, go get a, like a home game. So it was all those fun stuff. Get out there, play with everybody. So, yeah. First start in the NFL, I mean, no, it's exhibition, but still, you have to feel good to be out there with the first unit. Oh, yeah, that was really great. I mean, that's a different experience. You know, everybody's on point and, um, you know, kind of alert to different runs and stuff. Helps you uh, anticipate better out there. But uh, I'm just trying to, you know, do my part and not let anybody down when I'm out there, you know, trying to keep uh, keep my st- keep the standard up on the defense. How do you feel it went for you? As I said earlier, I think there are things I can do better, mm-hmm. but um, I think it went all right for me. All right, thanks. Appreciate yep. it. Yeah, he had one assisted tackle. Did not look uncomfortable out there. So, uh, good job there by the rookie from Yale. Uh, also, uh, Duke Riley played a lot better, so he won't be getting killed on uh, uh, local radio uh, this weekend, I don't believe. Uh, Riley uh, looked like um, he moved over the middle, and Fourier took the weak side. Uh, Riley had four tackles. He did... Um, he did lose Hunt on a pass play or swing pass out of the backfield, but hey, I mean that guy led the league in rushing last year. He's no no bum, but uh, yeah. So that was the linebacker situation. Fullback wise, Ortiz McNitt. I saw him on the second play of the game. Luke McNitt, the uh, fullback, was uh, was in the game early. Looked like they rotated them. Uh, McNitt. Uh, you know, was uh, in the battle there with rookie Ortiz. And I want to make sure here um, that McNitt is our guy from Nebraska because our Stanford guy got cut already. Yeah, that's right. He's Nebraska. Uh, started his, key, his school career off at a smaller Nebraska school and then went to big Nebraska. And uh, it's him and Ricky Ortiz. I don't believe um, 
Ricky's a good story. I talked to him. He's a very humble young man. Uh, but I don't believe the fullback's on the roster right now. I could be wrong, and uh, they might uh, have a decision. They got to pick one and then see what happens on the cut down, see if anybody lets a good fullback go uh, that could come in. But uh, they're really looking for lead blocking. Uh, you know, talk to folks last year about, well, hey, I thought Derek Cohn was doing pretty good. Uh, they were like, no, he was missing lead blocks. He wasn't even seeing the guy he's supposed to hit. I mean, he was just out there running around, basically. And, uh, you know, that that wasn't working because uh, Pat DeMarco would always get his guy. So, you know, the running backs were, you know, had to play off of that. And they couldn't count on the lead block got, getting made. So they started cutting it up early, not pressing the hole. And, you know, it was because uh, he threw the whole running game off. And uh, that all started when they lost Patrick Mc, uh, Pat DeMarco when they thought, you know, they had him re-sign. Uh, his grandfather died. And then over the weekend, they got a – Bills came in with a bigger offer, and they couldn't do anything with it. So uh, we'll see who uh, gets cut. He's running number one in Buffalo. They signed another backup last week, Sam Rogers. So look like DeMar- DeMarco's safe in Buffalo – uh, but, you know, we got to kind of look around the league when, you know, take note of all the fullbacks getting cut. We'll put them on lists like Lenny Pascarelli taught us how to do back in the day and uh, start calling their agents to see if uh, the Falcons are interested. Now, today we're going to close. I think that covers it. Uh, that's a good little wrap on the second where the Falcons are at in the second game after the second exhibition game heading into the exhibition finale. And uh, I just got the idea from my good buddy up in the Green Bay Top Silverstein. He did a similar podcast, even the same name. But there's this Packers podcast. And then uh, it's called, uh, he said, uh, where, the, where the team is at after two games. So we're doing that check-in too. Where the Falcons are at after two games. Heading into this big um, third game against Jacksonville. Uh, but let's review the DMP injury report. Matt Ryan didn't play. Uh, muscular injury. Uh, specifics were undisclosed. I just think his back is tight because he's old and they don't really need to kick him. Uh, you know, so he didn't play. Dion had a slight strain and he was a late scratch. You know, it happened on Thursday. And so Coach Dad told me that. Um, if Matt and uh, if it was a regular season game, Matt and Dion could play. So there's no reason to get upset or worried about those. Uh, Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman were holds. Uh, you know, Julio's had too many soft tissue injuries for a coach to want to. He don't want to see something happen in some exhibition game when, you know, should he know what Julio can do. And Julio's going real hard in practice, so he didn't really want to see him. I don't think Julio's cool with it, but... Because he dresses up and warms up, but then, you know, when they come out, uh, you know, he doesn't have his helmet and stuff, so he knows it's a day off for him. But he, he goes through his routine, and he gets ready. And same thing with Devontae. He's, you know, they want to make sure that knee gets to the season 100%. You know, that late season knee injury is probably a little bit more severe than we've been able to, to confirm on the record. But, you know, um, they're happy with his practices, too. They know that it's – um. He's doing his, his best in practice, and uh, it looks good there. The key thing with Julio is that, hey, they said the timing is down 
in practice, which was, you know, one of the issues and one of the reasons why they wanted him over the off season, but the timing is down, and the uh, surprise one didn't notice it. I passed him in the hallway a couple times after the game. Uh, our foreign player Alex Gray didn't play last night, and I don't know if that was um, uh, injury related or uh, you know they wanted to see the other tight ends, and they'll get him in the fourth game when you know everybody gets to play, uh, you know because they're going to hold the starters out again. So. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to uh, ask Coach Dan about Alex Gray today when we talk to him at 3.30. Hey, with that, and I also uh, got a little announcement here for you all who stuck with us through the end today. Uh, my buddy Silverstein also told me how to get free music or licensed music on this uh, website. So hopefully we'll have a little bumper music here by Wednesday, a uh, little intro music, a little outro licensed music. For uh, the podcast to, you know, jazz it up a little bit for y'all. With that, uh, we're going to sign off here from the 70th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Hope y'all enjoy the rest of the weekend and uh, get ready for uh, the uh, next week of practice. Follow us on AJC.com. And be ready for the third exhibition game, the so-called dress rehearsal. This is going to be a great test against a fine Jacksonville defense, which has a loud-mouth-talking cornerback named Jalen Rose. But Miles Jack, the rest of those guys, I mean, they could play A.J. Bouye from Atlanta, from Tucker. Going to see him. Going to try to slide over and uh, speak to him uh, after the game, too. But, uh... Uh, should be, as far as exhibition games go, I'm pretty stoked about this one. And I uh, want to see if the pass rush can get after my man Blake Bortles. I, I liked him coming out of UCF. Cunningham, uh, Michael Cunningham, our new columnist, thought I was crazy. But uh, I, I like the big drop back passers, you know. And uh, if you can figure out, if he can throw the nine route, I like him. So uh, we can. I guess I'm Al Davis, but hey. Should be a good exhibition game. You all take care and have a great week. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.